can guarantee to you that a happy chef's food tastes a heck of a lot better than an angry chef's food. The customers also perceive that. It's not a front. We really are happy. We put a lot of effort into what we do. The, the final product um, has that real positivity and that playfulness to it that we also feel in the kitchen every day. It's a blessing to be able to come into work and smile every single day and to feel like this authentic joy that I have. Benvenuti a Ciao Bella. I'm your host, Erica Firpo. For the past 20 years, I've made my home in Rome, where I've worked as a journalist contributing to publications including Afar, Washington Post, Lonely Planet, and Travel and Leisure. I love sharing the stories of Italy's pioneering creators, and I'm bringing these stories directly to you on Ciao Bella. Every week, I'm joined by contemporary artists, heritage artisans, designers, culinary experts, innovative estites, and more. At the crossroads of evolution and tradition, the past and the future, they are working and creating to define and redefine 21st century Italy. Join me as we see Italy through their eyes. Today we're pulling back the curtain of Casa Maria Luigia, Massimo Bottura's amazing hospitality spot in Modena, to talk with head chef Jessica Rosbell. You may remember Jess from a previous Ciao Bella episode dedicated to her fabulous Cotechino, a savory treat covered in zavaglione, which transformed my life and breakfast. Ever since sharing her cotechino with the world, Jessica has been all over the proverbial books. In 2021, she was named Best Chef by Guida dell'Espresso, Italy's taste-defining food and restaurant guide. And she continues to receive accolades for her work in and out of the kitchen. In September 2023, Massimo and Jessica launched Al Gato Verde, a new food and hospitality experience in Modena. I joined her in the kitchen to talk about the new restaurant, her culinary advocacy projects, and back of the house philosophy. First of all, thank you. Congratulations. Like it was it was so great. It was so much fun. The food was incredible. Like Darius and I, every single bite, it just it couldn't get better. And it did. And the cotechino. Oh my god. I know. Like you when I first met you, when I first met you, I met you out by the um, uh, by the forno. Yes. And then, then I had the cotechino. The original then, breakfast cotechino. Then, then I hounded you about that cotechino. <laughs> and then last night I was like, oh my god, it's on the... And, and it was with the cherry, not the cherry, the, the prunia, the plum. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so beautiful and delicious. And it was like, I was like, I just, I didn't think I could like cotechino more than that one. And I was like, damn, now I have two cotechinos. <laughs> and this morning Darius cracked me up because he's like, you're going to eat two of them again, aren't you? I was like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a human cotechino at this point. But Perfect. But everything... When in Modena. Exactly. Why not? <laughs> everything, and speaking of when in Modena. So I was kind of, I had like a little chuckle yesterday when I walked into the restaurant. And I saw the Jack Pearson piece that said fate, or fate, but fate. And I was thinking about you because I know that it's 10 years in October, which is also around your birthday, that you've been in Modena. And I wanted to know if you want to share that story of you coming to Modena and then got to, like, bring it up to Gato Verde. Yeah, I think that, yeah, fate, absolutely, because there was no plans to move to Italy. There was no plans to stay in Italy once I got here, but it was just kind of a series of opportunities and, and moments that I kind of found myself in you know, saying, okay, wait, do I, like, is now when I just change everything? Is now when I, you know, change plans, change course, drop what I've done, you know, start new? I mean, I think that um, I kind of just followed that fate over the last 10 years. You know, I moved to Italy because my partner at the time, by chance, got this scholarship to do um, a master's in Milan. 
and it, you know it applied to a bunch of different schools all across North America and I remember him applying to the school in Italy and saying you know oh don't worry about it we're just doing this to tempt fate and that's something that he said you know and you know and then we just kind of said ha 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 you know and sent off the application and then he got you know full scholarship and so we just said oh all right well you know let's go to Italy and, and I had been working for 10 years I had never really traveled outside of Canada I said okay I'm going to join you for a year and travel Europe and work as a baker or in a butchery or you know I didn't I, I didn't really think about getting a job in a Michelin star restaurant I didn't think about doing anything that would mean settling down it was just kind of more of a let's just go and, and be a little bit um, a bit of a traveler you know and um, we come into Italy I landed on October 13th of 2013 October 19th, I had a reservation in Osteria Francescana. And that's when I went to go and eat. We were celebrating my birthday, which is on October 20th. And I met Massimo at the table, and I was just fresh off the plane, six days in the country. Massimo was serving a menu at the time that was called Vieni in Italia con me, so come to Italy with me. And I was so emotional. I was blown away by the fact that I was living an, a country and a landscape and a history and traditions in such an intense way with this menu um, and I just knew that I wanted to be a part of Osteria Francescana. I was talking with Massimo at the end of the meal and he gave me his you know, email address and said, because I was in Milan and he said, I know all the chefs in Milan and you know, I'm happy to help you find a job wherever it is that you want to work. Like, just let me know, I'll call my friends, I'll help you, you know, get a job wow. in Milan. Yeah, super nice. I mean, I could have been you know, a serial killer for all he knew. Um, but, you know, he's just so nice and so generous and, and has always, you know, and since then I've just seen him always supporting younger chefs and trying to help people get that kind of lucky break, you know, in their careers. And he was willing to do that for me back then. Um, I woke up the next morning um, and just emailed him and, and said, you know, there's nowhere that I want to work besides Osteria Francescana. And um, he said, okay, he said, come in, you know, do a trial. And I went in for my two-day trial, which ended up, you know, turning into these last 10 years, which has been uh, incredible. You know, it's been, it's been a, just a constant uh, period of, of explosive growth, you know, within this company. For Osteria Francescana as a family, where, you know, when I started, it was just the restaurant and we were 10 cooks in the kitchen. And... You know, we're, you know, serving the menus there to now, you know, we have countless restaurants um, across Modena and around the world and now Casa Maria Luigia and Food for Soul and Tortelante and everything is just growing and growing and growing and, and being a part of that has just been uh, incredible. And Lara was telling me they're, you're going to switch the kitchen. The kitchen so, is so going to go no longer be a, it'll be over there. Yeah, we won't be able to do it there anymore. There's just not enough room. Mm -hmm. In the summertime, it's fine. Everybody sits outside. But once it's wintertime, we don't have enough room right. in that dining room for what could potentially become 40 to 45 hotel guests. I mean, it's kind of crazy, this evolution. Yeah. I, was, I was saying to Lara, every single time that we've come, there's always something new. Yeah. And, there's, and it's not even, it's like, it's a mix of there's always something new and something about to happen. Really incredible. I mean, I'm, I, I, I have no words because it is, <laughs> it is like, it's like a fairy tale. Hmm. But I, you know, one of the things I think that um, I've noticed about you, you're always smiling and it's really infectious. It's really just a, a really beautiful energy. And I also think that's something you really bring into your kitchen, and I know that it's also part of the team you're working with because I know that that's really important to you. And yeah. I think it's important to Massimo as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Because you, you know, know, yeah, I, I think. Because we watched the bear, we've seen what is it? No boundaries. Uh, you know, we've seen the world. We we get we get those glimpses into the world of elite level chefs and sure the intensity and the drama. Sure. And I see you, and you have like this serene smile on your face. Yeah, I mean, I've done. Th- I've been doing this job for twenty years. You know, this is what I chose to do when I was in my teens. It's the way that I want to live my life. I'm passionate about cooking. I'm. I'm, I'm extremely passionate about the well-being of my team and, and having a great dynamic and great energy. Um, and there is not one single day that I want to work in a kitchen that has bad vibes, you know? We're here all day. We give so much to everything that we do. Like, bring that good energy. And the fact that we can do what we love to do and do it in such a beautiful ambiance, why do we need to suffer? know why do we have to be consumed by stress or by pressure when we have everything at our disposal right now to to be creating good and healthy and happy work environments you know i think that now that that whole you know tough guy um you know the 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 aggressivity the the you know like what you said what's really what was a really popular kitchen culture back in the day what we see a lot in like films and on tv that's not a sustainable life, you know? And after two decades doing this, I don't want to live. I've worked in kitchens like that before. It's devastating, you know? It's exhausting. How do you have good, you know, teamwork? It's all about the team getting together and, and that's the way that you make these impossible projects happen is by having a stronger united team. And that's a team that gets along. It's a team that cares for each other. It's a team that actually enjoys building these big projects um, together. Not people that are doing it because they have their own egos in the way, their ambitions are there clouding this sense of now and the now today is I'm here and I'm with these people and I get to do what I actually genuinely love doing every day and I've made this my career and so why don't I do this happily you know and I can guarantee to you that a happy chef's food tastes a heck of a lot better than an angry chef's food you know and I think that the customers also perceive that you know when they see that the dining room is happy the kitchen is smiling people are there it's not a front we really are happy you know um we put a lot of effort into what we do we work just as hard as all the other angry chefs Um, but i think you know that for us it just feels better and 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 the the final product um, has that that real positivity and that playfulness to it that we also feel in the kitchen every day so for me it's a blessing to be able to come into work and smile you know every single day and to feel like this authentic joy that i have uh, with what I do and, and with the people that I do it with, so. Well, one other thing, I thought it was, you know, when you walk into Gato Verde and you have the kitchen exposed. Yeah. It's almost like, I guess, if you walk into a soundstage of a movie and you're watching a scene, right? You know, sure. You get front row to see how your kitchen works, but not how, it's like watching its family working together. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice last night because I took a quick glimpse and just, it was, it, it was great to see because you're really giving us a happy kitchen makes great food and the guests know and you, you've got you've taken that one step forward to show everyone mm-hmm. what, what what it takes and it was it was really it was really lovely to see that i really enjoyed yeah that. yeah you know i think that at this point the reality is you know we, we we've built casa maria luigia as this place and as this home that is really exposing um you know first of all osteria francescana 30 years of you know, this incredible restaurant that has inspired so much food culture internationally. Now you can actually come and sleep and walk and live in this house that is full of the inspiration uh, that really went into 
uh, uh, building, Osteria Franciscana. Uh, we do our iconic dishes, totally open kitchen, middle of the dining room. We started doing barbecues because after COVID, everything was closed. We wanted people to come out. We wanted people to be together. We wanted just to like have that real great sense of openness and sharing again. And that's what was translated into Gato Verde. So I think that here at Casa Luigia, we've done everything since the very first day, very much with our hearts on our sleeves, very much as this open book. And that's something that we want to continue doing because there is so much so many interesting aspects to you know yes like cooking people can actually physically see what we're doing how we're communicating how we're plating how we start you know running a little bit faster every now and then you know and and whatnot but they can also um sit in the dining room and just see that 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 kind of crazy and that wild that is with the kitchen still does come out in this very fluid beautiful way which is you know ultimately uh, the, the the type of service that we believe in, and, and even though Gato Verde is more of a casual approach to fine dining, it definitely. I mean, we're all raised in Osteria Franciscana, so definitely has little. Yes, those little fine fine dining, you know, touches those those things that are just good service, good service practices, and and good dining practices that you know we can bring down into a more casual work uh, uh, eating environment as well. You know, without. Tell me, tell me a little bit about not barbecue. Not barbecue. So yes. you know, I, was, I was cracking up last night because I, I walked in and I was like, "Is that a Pollock?" And then and somebody heard me goes, "Not Pollock." And I was like, "Oh, it's a yeah. it's a Mark Fidla. And then when I was just talking to Massimo, he was like, "This was the inspiration." Yes. Part of the inspiration for this not barbecue idea. Yeah, I think that you know the art definitely inspired a lot of the the I think conceptually I think we were having a lot of trouble kind of coining a term that would describe uh, what we've been doing, you know, what we've been doing and what we've been practicing over the last three years, so since 2020, which is, yes, barbecue. Yes, everything is being cooked in either on a grill, in a wood-burning oven, on a smoker. Um, but it's not barbecue, because barbecue is a term that already kind of has its set of definitions. No, barbecue is something that kind of already exists. And what we're, what we're doing here is we want total freedom. We want this creative freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do. So we decided to give it a non-definition, you know, uh, and just by non-defining it again, you, you have that, that liberty, you know. This is kind of barbecue. We'll say the word barbecue so that we know, but it's not barbecue because it's not what you expect it to be. Um, and I think that that's... I did not expect that, the, the cozza brutta. For sure. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. Yeah. This is not a cozza. This is not, this a, is cozza. not a cozza. It's the entire Adriatic Sea, but everything is there except for the cozza, you know. And and just being able to be really playful and 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 experiment with fire and and flames and ash in a way that that typical barbecue doesn't do it. Um, taking what is typically barbecue gives you this idea of a more casual style service um, and elevating it into you know the world of gato verde, um, kind of creating this a little bit of I would say a surreal environment um, around barbecue food just like you know in Paris 1920s the green cat was this very surreal figure you know just as it is now we say you know what what happens anything can happen when the cat turns green I don't know we're just we're playing with that you know because we want freedom you know we want freedom to be able to do whatever we want and, and not limit ourselves to whatever kind of you know, style we give the restaurant. So we just say it's a green cat and anything could happen and it's it's barbecue but it's not barbecue and you know, just come and sit down and, and, and just just see. I don't know. You know, we don't why do we have to always just be there, you know, giving real definitions of things?
I Let's said, just be fluid, you I know? Said, I said that every day. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, the menu. Will the menu be changing? Like, yes. Yeah, definitely. Of course, I think that um, the menu is something that, um, you know, is really great. And, and uh, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for Massimo and Lara as well, who after, you know, I've been working with them for 10 years, really understood that at this point in my career, you know, that it was really important for me to have a space that I could um, express, you know, that creative side, um, uh, you know, after all these years of, of uh, working with them and, and cooking Massimo's food as well. So for that, I'm, I'm just forever grateful and, and humbled by the fact that they're giving me this opportunity. Is this a passing um, of the mantle? This is, uh, I think it's just a, as I said, you know, Massimo and, and Lara have always um, really nurtured um, the next generation of chefs. You know, they open doors for the next chefs. They don't close them, you know, and, and I think that this is, this is them doing that for me, you know, with Gato Verde. And I'm, I'm just so, so grateful. Um, to have met them along, you know, in my career and to be at this point where, where they, they've given me the trust to be able to create the menus in this space. Um, menus where right now, of course, the opening menu is always the most difficult one to come up with because you say we want it to be reminiscent of Toledoza, which were our barbecues. We want it to kind of bring us up into fine dining. We want it to kind of give people an idea of where we're going in the future making this selection but you know even just in the last three weeks we cook so seasonally in Italy um, and so already I already know that in the next couple of weeks two dishes are going to change and because we have to which ones I know I mean, I mean don't tell me the cotechino I'll, I'll die well cotechino is going to have to change a little bit soon because of, the, because of the plums because of the plums so they're probably going to become pomegranate oh I know I mean Darius and I already decided we'll be back in May <laughs> yes <laughs> So you, you talked about um, yeah, the lamb where there's going to be no peaches really soon. So oh. those are going to have to change. The pasta arsa, so the burnt pasta, the apricots that are was, done. That was amazing. By Thank you. Way. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, Darius, I was like, I'm a really a sweet tooth person. Yeah. And I was like, this was crazy because it really, for someone who really is a, a very sugary person, it was a great, like, it was like, a hand-holding to get to like from savory to sweet it really it really helped me no it was delicious yeah. but it was like normally i would have just like i'm like i dive right into you know sure. something really sugary and it was and i would not it was unexpected and it was unexpected that i felt like wow this is like i feel like i'm being guided along by this dish mm -hmm. into the next one and and the and the and the, the final yeah. dessert um which by the way can you tell me what the, the final dessert was called, the, the last dish was called? Um, Cielo, terra, mare. So the sky, okay. the earth, the sea. I'm, okay. That's one that he was, I think um, our server was saying, talking about pink moon. Yes. That was... Pink that was moon. trippy. So, yeah, trippy dish even for me as I was developing it because, you know, and the reason why I love that dish is because I think it's just such a... A, in, in just even the fact that it's a gray on gray, I find that its monochromatic nature really hides a lot of the complexity that's behind that dish, not just from the flavor perspective, but also just from the create, like the creation of it. Because it, it, quite simply, the whole process started when I was listening to Pink Moon by Nick Drake, because it just passed through on my playlist. And I was like, very superficially, I was like, hmm, Pink Moon, like that could be super cute. Like I could make a dish and it could be, you know, when you look at it, it could be like a pink moon and I could make a tweel out of ash and raspberry and then it would be this like really cool moon. And that's where it started. And this is also, I think, really important to say. A lot of people think that dishes just pop out and then you make them and then they're great. And sometimes that's not true, you know? So I start making this tweel and it's 
trying to make it look like a pink moon. It looks like a pink moon, but it doesn't taste like much. So I add more ash. Then it starts tasting really mineral. It starts tasting like the sea. So I say, okay, interesting. Let's bring in some of the sea flavors. So start pulling in the nori, start pulling in the caviar. The nori, that was mind blowing. Yeah, start pulling the seawater, the syrup, the, the, the rose syrup at the end is made with seawater. So you get a lot of that like more like rich umami algae flavor that's coming from the syrup that gets poured into it at the end. Um, and then after this whole, you know, disruptive, frustrating, creative process, it kind of just all pulled together in the end when I abandoned the idea of making this raspberry moon and it basically just turned into, and it works a lot better in Italian, but la luna rosa became la rosa luna, no? The, 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 the pink moon becomes the moon pink, right? Is that the moon pink? pink or the rose yes. as a moon? Yes, the, right? rose, as, the rose as a moon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The rose so as instead a moon. of the rose moon, it, it becomes the, the ro- moon rose. No, moon rose, it becomes the rose moon. <laughs> eh, it works better in Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that was- you know, but just how everything can just get just get flipped up throughout that and about also about as a chef being okay with that process because it is um unsettling no to have this great idea you're so sure it's going to work you're so sure it's going to be great and sometimes when we do that first test and it doesn't come out as we imagined it it can be disheartening no but then there's something about and also i go through this process with my team as they have ideas and we're putting things together it's don't stop after the first time you see that maybe it's not great no keep going and push through kind of that those insecurities or those moments where you say like oh I didn't get it it didn't come out right I don't okay abandon don't abandon do it again change something about it. think about it and go through that frustrating process because something will come out at the end genius chefs and genius dishes and you know Massimo Bottura and and all of these other incredible chefs around the world I can almost guarantee to you that most of their dishes did not come out as they imagined it we always have the first idea and then we have the final product. And there is such a journey that happens in between those two points. And I think that the greatest chefs are the ones that are comfortable with that journey and they're comfortable with the failure and they're okay trying again. And I think that that's what, that, that's what this dish is about to me, you know? And why we called it that, I don't know why we called it that to be honest, but it's stuck and it's too late to change it now. <laughs> it's a great, it's, it's a, it's, it was, the, I think, is there caviar? Was there caviar? Caviar. I mean, that was like yeah. a final dish, a dessert dish. I, like, who even thought? Yeah. It it's was... a carbon semifredo. So I'm using the ashes from the oven to make semifredo. It's filled with a sour raspberry uh, sauce. Yeah, that was, caviar. There is a, um, a kombu and nori cookie underneath it. Mm-hmm. And then we finish the dish with a rose flavored seawater syrup. Yes. It was delicious, and it was, I mean, every single dish was, it was, it was so wonderful. So they're all really personal, and it was so much fun. Thank it was you. a lot of fun. Now, I have one more question to ask you, or not even a question to ask you. You mentioned that Massimo and Laura have always been really encouraging with yeah. new chefs, or, or young chefs. Yeah. And I think that's something that you've been doing, too. Because yes. I, I, did, I do know a little bit, what is it, the... I'm going to, hold on a second, I wrote it down. Yeah, Roots. With Roots. Association yes. for the Integration of Women. Thank you. The yeah. Association for Integration of Women and the Restaurant Roots. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's my nonprofit. I co-founded it with my best friend in 2020. Is she your best friend from here? Or is she from, from here, yeah. We met while we were both working in Osteria Francescana. She was working with Food for Soul in the office. I was in the kitchen. We met. She's American. Uh, her name is Caroline Caparossi. 
Um, and so she's always been in the nonprofit sector her whole career. And we met in, in, uh, in the restaurant many, many years ago. And in 2020, she met a Nigerian woman named Ella in the streets. And this is where the whole project kind of was inspired and, and was born. And um, Ella was this um, incredibly talented, incredibly well-spoken, educated woman who had arrived from Nigeria three years earlier and wanted to just be the first woman in her family to ever work, period. That was it. Three years, still hadn't been able to do it, was faced with one challenge after another. Um, and so Caroline, kind of feeling how unjust that whole situation was, helped Ella find a job, realized how difficult it was to navigate a lot of the training programs, a lot of the job placement programs that existed. Um, and so, you know, one night over, we were having April spritzes, we start talking about Ella and about this thing, we decided we want to start making our own programs. We would teach women uh, how to get into the restaurant world, how to cook. Uh, we had an entire market of, you know, a whole group of people within our own community that are the most disadvantaged groups of people in the entire European Union um, in terms of like social economic inclusion, everything. And then we have an entire sector, which is the restaurant world, that is short staffed always, you know, always looking for skilled workers. So we said, okay, let's put this together. That's when we founded the Association for the Integration of Women. Um, and then with the ultimate goal to open our own restaurant slash training program, which we did finally in uh, last year. Year, so the spring of last year, um, and it's called Roots. And Roots is a training program, a restaurant that's also open five nights a week. But uh, every four months, we train different groups of women, uh, mostly migrant women, uh, mostly young, under the age of 40, uh, who are interested in entering uh, the world of cooking. And so we've developed an entire culinary training program um, that they follow throughout those four months. We have chef trainers that come in during the days, and then we run a regular service with them as the chefs in the kitchen at night to give them real life work experience. experience. And then at the end of their program, we help them find jobs within the, the industry and we follow them and we support them, you know? And, and um, the beautiful thing about Roots is, yes, it's a nonprofit restaurant. Never hear of anybody opens a nonprofit restaurant. Most restaurants just don't make profit anyways, you know, but luckily ours does, but that all gets reinvested directly into the program um, in and of itself. And the menu that we serve in Roots um, is what makes it really special because it's a menu that will always reflect the origins of the women that are training in the kitchen. And so by doing this, what we can do is, um, yes, we're training a lot of, you know, migrant women to come in and kind of adapt and learn how to integrate into this Italian work life. But at the same time, we've created a space where Italians and Modenese people come and they discover this beauty of the diversity that exists in Modena. And so it's this beautiful two-way street, this, this place where it's just a melting pot of people and cultures and fun and live feminine energy. And it's beautiful. And, and after the first year and a half, we have right now 75% of our trainees are actually currently working in jobs in Modena, flourishing. We've seen lives change. We've just, it's just incredible, incredible to watch and, and follow and, and um, really, really special close to my heart. Yeah. It sounds like an amazing project. And I, I did, um, read a, an interview I think with one of the women who said something that it just it, it really like I got all teary I'm getting a little teary when I think about it and she said it, not only was it the work experience and the learning but it was also you know really built her community that she didn't have yeah and and friends but like you know it's not easy to break into a, a new community that's not yeah and when she said that and I was just like that just made me feel like that was it, yeah. I got all teary and it's a beautiful 
You know, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, a migrant. I, you're a migrant, also here in Italy. I think that, you know, to to some degree, on on a much lighter level, you know, because, you know, I've had the the, the fortune in my life to not have to go through a lot of the traumas that some of these women have had to live through in terms of their voyages over, uh, and and a series of other uh, situations they've been through in their life. But that isolation that you feel when you leave your family behind and you start off in a new place and, and you wake up in the morning, you just say, where am I? Like what? And you feel alone and you feel scared. Yeah. And, and I felt that, um, you know, to a certain degree when I got here in Modena. And then I found quite quickly Osteria Francescana and cooking and that team and 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 that family, that, yeah. that family and, and they've been my support and they've been they showed me the country they 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 helped me do everything from the beginning and that was the community that I got for myself when I got here and so I know that that's a huge power of the team and that's a huge power that that cooking and kitchens have also beyond the career but also just about creating those friendships and those families for a lot of people um, and I know that that's what Roots does for a lot of these trainees No, and that's why it makes it even more of a special project for me because I can tell from the first day when they start the program to the very last day, they're just blossoming. You know, they just turn into a totally different people and then they have friends and family and, 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 and it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. Well, that sounds, I, congratulations. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. It's like, oh, it's a great you. project. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next time I come back. She's there like, She directs the project daily. Yeah. You know, she is there always. She is so, um, she's just an incredible, incredible, strong-willed woman. And I think that you would really enjoy chatting with and her. It's such, it's such a great, like, I think that's such a great story that I want to, however I can get it out there as its own story as well. You know, we opened this restaurant and we said we wanted to be a restaurant, but then it ended up becoming actually also a very beautiful restaurant. Like, and it's oh. a very cool restaurant. You know, yes. and you go in and you pay 38 euros per person and... Oh, it's a fixed fee. Fixed fee and you have all the antipasti come out in the middle of the table and then you have, you know, you choose, I want the meat main or the fish main and then it all comes out sharing style on the table and you get all of these different dishes from all of these different places. That's, that's part of the nonprofit. The around the world. The restaurant, the restaurant is the nonprofit. Oh, so it's we where, should check that out next. Yeah, the kitchen is where we're training um, these women to okay, become cool. chefs and... Cool, cool, cool. And it's been uh, it's been incredible. Started AIW, which is the nonprofit, um, in uh, 2020 in the spring, and we opened the restaurant in March of last year. Oh, okay. Finally, so, yeah. so it's still a bit of a baby, but um, how many is it? March of 2022. Yeah, 40 guests. Okay, so nice. 40 guests, nice, nice. Because you know we go through this period where you know we change the team every four months as we're going through the training program, mm -hmm. so we can't have this big powerhouse restaurant because we always go through a period of one or two months where we have a brand new team in the kitchen every right. single time, and these are people that have never cooked professionally before. So we have our restaurant chef. Uh, we have two of them. One is actually a graduate from our program. Uh, her name is Fanta, and she's stuck on since the very beginning with me. Um, and then we hired this um, new chef uh, just recently. Her name is Nadia. Um, she's a Ukrainian woman. She's been in Modena for a number of years now. And she's taken over also the management, daily management of the kitchen, the things uh, that happen there. And so um, at this point, my involvement was I created the curriculum at the beginning, and I follow up with them, and then I create the menus um, right. and implement them 
with the kitchen team and then they bring it forward because right. of course I have a bit of a handful here yeah, at yeah, yeah. Casa Maria Luigia, uh, but definitely spend as much time as I possibly can. Thank you, Jessica, and to Massimo Bottura, Lara Gilmore, and everyone in the Francescana family for making this episode happen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. The editor of Ciao Bella is Mastro. Production manager is Jenna Spray. If you're new to Ciao Bella, take a peek at ciaobella.co, our all-encompassing Italy-focused website, where you'll find insider insight on contemporary Italy. And sign up for our newsletter for new episodes and articles. Follow me on Instagram at Erica Firpo, and follow Ciao Bella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Leave us a rating or comment. Ciao, ciao.